Hey guys, welcome to Startups of the Week, Season 2, Episode 22. I'm Natasha, and I'm here with Alex. Hey guys. And no Owen this week, since he's on vacation. This week, we'll tell you about a company that said no to Uber, but yes to Microsoft, why Slack is working with its competition, and a San Francisco startup that worked to make mental health care more accessible, but recently shut down. This is Jason Fagoni, reporter at The Chronicle, inviting you to listen to Toxic. Along with my colleague here, Cynthia Dizikis, we are investigating one of the biggest stories in San Francisco right now, the troubled cleanup of the former Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard, a super fun waste site, and the cleanup of other Navy sites around the Bay Area. We are getting into environmental racism here. We are getting into fraud, scandal, basically trying to get to the bottom of this story that is about San Francisco's past and is also shaping its future. Toxic, wherever you get your podcasts. What's good, guys? We're back with Startups of the Week. Our first company we will be talking about is Black Girls Code, which is based in Oakland, and it's an organization that brings computer science education to black girls from the ages of 7 to 17 through a series of workshops and camps. They are trending this week on Crunchbase after accepting a $250,000 seed investment from Microsoft a huge tech company that you've definitely heard of before. If you haven't heard of Microsoft, where have you been? And can I go there? Because that sounds fantastic. Uh, But this is only a quarter million dollars. Now, Microsoft has its own VC firm called M12. um, But this is is an interesting amount of money. Are there any other examples of Black Girls Code being offered similar amounts of money to this? Or is this kind of a one-off thing? So I think we're seeing a lot of tech companies investing in attempts to bring diversity to education and computer science and engineering. For example, last year we saw Uber offering $125,000 to Black Girls Code. And that was an interesting situation. In their case, it was a donation, not an investment like Microsoft. But um, they're... The, Black Girls Code's founder, Kimberly Bryant, had said no to Uber's donation. Um, It was at a time when Uber was going through that that stage where everyone was talking about their culture of sexual harassment as brought up by Susan Fowler, a former engineer. Right. So so Kimberly Bryant was like, we're going to pass on this one because she thought it sounded more PR-driven than actually bringing change. Yeah, no, I I get that. If you're a company going through a really rough spot, you go out and make some sort of kind of cosmetic donation and all of a sudden people talk about that instead of your bad things. And good for her for turning that down. That's, that takes a lot of courage because I presume this is a nonprofit and those don't have big checks coming in all the time. So it must have taken some courage. I thought it was awesome, yeah. Yeah. To to be able to, to have like the comfort of being able to, to say no. She was able to raise a similar amount of money through other um, donations. I believe Lyft also gave them money, which I think is interesting, and she happily accepted. But um, now, one year later, um, we see Microsoft stepping in, which she said was kind of like give a lot of affirmation um, that companies are talking about this and actually want to invest in diversity. Now, is Microsoft kind of building out its own uh, Black Girls Code chapters up in the Seattle area, or are they just making an investment and kind of being hands-off when it comes to any sort of operational impacts of what the money could do? So, so far, Black Girls Code has 13 other chapters. This 14th chapter will be, will be presented in collaboration with Microsoft. So uh, they didn't okay. go into, they're kind of still figuring out the nuts and bolts on what it's going to look like. But um, something that Bryant did tell me was that Microsoft will be, you know, included with the workshops by providing mentors. And something she thought she brought up was, uh, you know, the girls that they're training for these skills, 
they'll have an avenue to maybe work in Microsoft one day. It doesn't hurt that they'll have early relationships with important people at that company. Yeah. Also, you know, that's that's putting kind of your time where your money could be because these big tech companies, you know, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, they have effectively infinite money, right? They could have added a zero to this check or two, but probably what matters a bit more in terms of getting people into the bigger companies is the hands-on time. So if exactly. they're going to devote actual serious employee time, that's that's very, very good of them. And big, because they're taking away from their own employees' time to work on their paid projects. Um, as a little note on this, Salesforce, uh, which is a local SF company, has been pushing kind of the one, one, one model, which is, oh. I'm, I'm going to butcher this, 1% <laughs> of, uh, of profits, 1% of employee time, and 1% equity, I think. But one thing they do make a point on is giving their employees time towards charitable things. And I think this is a good example of something that could fall under that uh, rubric in a sense. I think it's, I hope more corporations both spend their dollars and employee time on making the world a better place because they Definitely. should. And as like a final note, kind of jumping off of that, something that Kimberly Bryant brought up was that Obviously, Seattle is home to Amazon's first headquarters, um, and it's not going to hurt that it, that they're going to be near there. They're trying to push the needle um, on diversity at Amazon as well. So she wants to get more companies that are this important and this big involved in the conversation. So proximity you know, definitely helps. On on that point, though, you don't have to be big to be useful and impactful, right? This is true. So I I, w- I would I don't I don't want to just say these big companies should. I think every company. Should I think this is not something that's that's going to be impossible. If you have more than 100 employees, you can devote some of your employee money and resources towards making tech more diverse and the world better. Like that's yes. that should be part of your DNA. If it's not, what's wrong with you? If it's not, it's 2018 and be better. Yeah, definitely get on that. Natasha <laughs> told you to, so get moving. <laughs> um, great. Our next company is Slack. And I know usually we speak about a company in San Francisco that was acquired by a bigger company. But this week, we're going to talk about a San Francisco company doing the acquiring. It is um, So basically, Slack, the communication service that you probably use that helps people within a company send each other GIFs or GIFs. Oh, God. It's definitely gifts, but keep I going. I hate when I um, send each other gifts and messages. Um, they are acquiring the IP of two services from a, com- a company based in Sydney, Australia. The company um, works on a bunch of different applications and integrations with messaging services. Um, the two that Slack is interested in are HipChat and Stride. So once um, everything is settled, those two services will be discontinued from Atlassian, the Sydney, Australia company, and the IP will be moved over to Slack. Yeah, so this is this was a huge deal. Um, everyone everyone knows about Slack now inside technology, but what people forget is how much competition there is contra Slack. So right. Atlassian, which is a huge public company that's doing quite well, owned some competing products to Slack. So to see them not only kind of get out of that market, but to sell the core IP behind those products to Slack and then also invest in Slack isn't just right. an abdication. It, it's a, it's a kind of them throwing up their arms going, all right, all right, you win. And we need to own part of you because we integrate with you. It's a fascinating moment. But what it also underscores is how much competition there is kind of still out there. So Microsoft has a product called Teams, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of a cognate or a comparable, if you will. And they just made that free for a lot of people. And they bake it into their um, SaaS offering for companies. Um, Ali, I think there's one called uh, Ding Talk in China, which is quite large. I'm now trying to pull things out of my memory. 
Um, but there are other players in the space. So Slack has now consolidated a bit by acquiring IP and maybe some customers, but it's not out of the woods, but it's certainly cool to see Slack do this well because people th- have long said they, you know, the fastest growing SaaS company of all time and whatnot. So I thought it was a really kind of cool deal. I was fascinated right, yeah. by it. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting because I personally just, from my experience and past internships and jobs, like Slack was the only messaging system that I really knew of. But then hearing that Atlassian was behind Jira Cloud and Trello, which are services that I have heard of, of um, I thought it was, okay, so there are other people in the market and they are doing well enough that Slack is giving them attention. Yes. Um, according to a spokeswoman from Atlassian, um, this... I guess this transition of some of their services will free up Atlassian for new projects. So it kind of, she kind of did make it seem like they were kind of, it's going to free up space. They have more things coming on. And she said, it's not the last time um, that we're, we're going to be hearing um, about Atlassian kind of doubling down on marketplace partnerships and stuff like that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You have a finite amount of development resources inside your company. So you want to put those where they have the biggest bang. And if you're going to keep pouring money and attention and corporate time into competing with Slack and losing, you probably get tired of that. I mean, why why keep it up? But at the same time, Slack is not public. It's still, I presume, an unprofitable company. So it, it still has a long way ahead of it. But it's, well, I, let me try it this way. So it was the kind of the darling child of Silicon Valley, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's in its adolescence and soon has to go public. I'm curious to see if it can continue that same wave of success through the next big um, kind of milestones in its life. Definitely, definitely. It's cool to keep seeing it grow. Also, can we please talk about their competition that they have with each other? I, I thought it was really cute, but I saw in one of their press releases that Atlassian had sent Slack a cake at some point. So this is this is a lot of fun. So if you if you don't know the history of this, sending cakes between tech companies is kind of an old school thing. For example, the Internet Explorer team at Microsoft and the Mozilla team used to send cakes back and forth. That's amazing. I, That's I don't amazing. know when this started. There, I, I hear sure Owen someone, in the, in, on vacation right now, like wanting to add his two cents in. This is the perfect topic <laughs> for Owen because he is kind of the the OG of uh, of Silicon Valley journalism. Um, but this is this is not a new thing, and I kind of eventually want to get one of these cakes because I, I want to do be- something that makes someone else so mad they have to send me a baked good that so is it like a power fantastic. move it's a bit of a it's, it's always a bit cheeky i think okay, it's definitely okay. not like oh respect good work fighting us i think it's kind of like <laughs> oh you guys had a release that's nice have a cake anyways it's oh, delightful Awesome. Awesome. Um, so our last company is a company um, that's in the mental health application space, which is something that's been getting a lot of tension and seeing a lot of innovation around. It's called Lantern. It offers online therapy from licensed therapists, um, which they call coaches, to users um, for a variety of fees. And the reason it's trending is um, because it's shutting down after raising over $20 million in the past which is unfortunate because it's do, it was doing good work. Um, a little background on what the company does was it's kind of, um, according to the New York Times, the co-founder explained it as the middle ground between buying a self-help book and paying $100 or um, an hour of in-person therapy for God knows how much. Um, users kind of paid anywhere from $50 a month to 300 a year to get a, um, a, phone, a telephone call session and then um, private messaging between coaches um, on d- different issues regarding mental health and advice in that way. So I'm a l- so it's shutting down, which is sad. And I really don't want to kind of dance and stamp on the corpse of a, of a company because companies are always hard and whatnot. But like I've done like, I think eight months of therapy so far in my life and it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work and it's 
something that I, that I really have valued as an in-person experience. And so when we picked Lantern to talk about this week, it reminded me of a story that I read in The Outline, which is a great publication. Um, and they did a big kind of uh, piece on text therapy back in, I think, February this year. And the general gist was that it doesn't actually work as well as you'd hope and that you can't really distill these particular interactions into text messages and have them kind of resonate in the way that in-person therapy can for right. some people. It doesn't work for everybody, et cetera. But mm-hmm. so I, I'm, I'm not wildly surprised, but at the same time disappointed that it didn't go better because how great would it be if this tour service was very effective and was more affordable? Wouldn't that be great? Um, just doesn't seem to be the case in this in this example. Twenty million yeah, is a lot of money to try. Great. Exactly. And I, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that it sounds great. And if it, if if we can make mental health care more cheaper and more accessible, exactly like you said, why not try? Something I thought that is something good to point out was that Lantern doesn't really diagnose the problems. They recommend treatment or kind of push you to get treatment or give you advice in that way. Um, they still want you to end up in an in-person exam, but it's kind of for the problems that I guess that could be resolved via instant messaging if they can. Yeah, and the other question is what really lays between that self-help book and real therapy? Is that a space where there's uh, an island to land on, you know, or is that right. just kind of no man's land where this won't work? But, you know, it's cool to see people investing money, especially large amounts of tens of millions of dollars right, into something yeah. designed to make human life better as opposed to another source of push notifications to drive you nuts. So in mm-hmm. a sense, this is almost like contra to the the theme we see now about people spending less time on their phones because it's bad for them. This is just like, let's go straight to helping you um, hopefully adapt and be better in the modern world. It's It's yeah. a weird and tough place this year. You're going to use your phones. We might as well make it productive for you. <laughs> Have you ever used one of these before? I've tried Headspace and it's cool. It's really, I think it's really useful. It's kind of expensive. So I did the free trial and then I wasn't as responsible with it as I should be, but it was like meditation. Yeah. So I'm pulling up my Headspace account as we record this podcast, which is always- I will too. It's a dangerous moment. So if you're listening to the show, this is what it's like to vamp to fill in time. Um, (laughs) So I'm trying to pull up my stats here because I paid for a year of Headspace. And tell us, tell us how you feel about digital behavioral health tools, Alex. Well, this is a bit different than Lantern. Lantern's, you know, kind of a therapy-ish thing. Headspace is more designed as a guided meditation service. Um, and mm-hmm. I, unsurprisingly, as a tech kiddo, um, am kind of sclerotic and weird, and I have a hard time slowing down, and my thoughts are scattered. So one thing I wanted to do was meditate because apparently everyone says it's good. And uh, so I paid like about a hundred bucks, I think, for a year of this um, service, and I, I've meditated twenty-six times according to this. Uh, for an average duration of seven minutes. So that's what I've gotten in the last like couple of months. It's not great. I could do a lot better, but mm-hmm. uh, I was proud that, I, uh, that I'm at least trying. And so in a sense, the spin from is almost aspirational. Like here's me making an investment in my health as opposed to I'm going to get my full value out of this. And I bet that helps Headspace um, sell a lot of subs. But Headspace and Calm, another one of these apps, they're all doing quite mm-hmm. well from what I hear. And I think that points to a huge market demand for services that make us feel better. I mean, I think, yeah. I think we really need that. Definitely. Well, sad for Lantern, though. Sad for Lantern. Sad for Lantern. A good, I guess a good note to end on will be, um, they had a statement on their website saying that a group of them will, um, they hope that they're going to take like their skills that they've um, kind of received over the past six years of working at the company to work on the problem without focusing on profits or exit strategies. So it might not be the last time you hear from the people behind this app. Well, whenever they come out with what's next, we'll talk about it. Yes, definitely. Thanks, guys, for joining us. See you next week with Owen and my last week. 
Thank you for listening to Startups of the Week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, we are on Stitcher now, as well as Apple Podcasts, so take a look there. Read more startups coverage at sfchronicle.com. And crunchbase.news. I'm Natasha Mascarenas. And I'm Alex Wilhelm. And this is Startups of the Week. Startups of the Week.